Hello, everyone. My name is Nadja Kampfinkel, and I'm from Stand Up Australia. Stand Up Australia is a small team of passionate everyday people who started out sometime in 2020 in response to the global events that happened at the end of 2019, when the world changed pretty much for everyone. We want to be part of the solution, not aggravate the problem, and have created a platform for people to inform them, maybe outrage them, certainly to empower and activate them to stand up for their family, community, and country. Each month, we introduce a new topic of the month where we believe they provide solutions to people to empower them. We do interviews, webinars, tips like resources on social media around this specific topic. This month's topic of the month, so January, is homeschooling made easy. So I'm super excited to welcome Christy Hayworth, Director of All Kids Can Education, to the Stand Up Australia interview today. And I look forward to discussing with her what people can do to teach their children how to read using an evidence-based approach. Christy has been in the education game for the past 18 years. She left the classroom settling early on to have a beautiful boisterous voice while studying to become a dyslexia specialist, knowing that the classroom was not for her anymore due to lack of her own training to help those kids that were falling through the cracks with their literacy. With special education certification, namely multi-sensory structured language, on short MSL, which we'll talk about today as well. So she's got an accreditation in that. And Orton Gillingham training, Christy developed her own private practice, which she has been running for the past 12 years and has helped hundreds of kids that were struggling in the classroom setting. So hence, it's obviously very interesting that we talk to Christy today. Christy's practice, All Kids Can Education, is a bricks and mortar space in Wynnum, Queensland. She teaches alongside four other passionate teachers. All Kids Can also has a dedicated educator back in her old stomping ground of Hyatt, Victoria. Christy is passionate about building children's literacy skills and guiding families through their child's education when things are not always cut and dry. She maintains a deep belief that every child can succeed in their literacy development when evidence-based practice is implemented. And I believe she's also done a little bit of homeschooling herself or rather unschooling. So Christy, I've got lots of questions for you today and I'm keen to hear from you like what to look for when selecting an approach or a program to teach literacy and maths at home. Hi Nadia, thank you so much for that introduction. Um, it's a hard one knowing how to teach your kids how to read at home because parents, it's 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 just a it's a foreign concept because it's not a natural process, it's a learnt process, and it's something that we need to teach in a specific way, particularly for those kids that are struggling with their literacy. So if you're at home and you're looking to do something for your child in terms of their literacy curriculum or their maths curriculum, the best thing to look for is a program or an approach that is evidence-based. So we need to be looking for programs and approaches that um, have a scientific backing, science of reading um, background. So we need to be looking for programs or approaches that incorporate the multisensory approach, visual, auditory, kinesthetic. We need to make sure that um, our curriculum or our scope and sequence, what we're teaching the child is systematic. It builds as we go. 
Um, it has to be cumulative. We're always um, layering upon a skill that has been that has gained automaticity so that we can layer on a skill on top of that um, when the cognitive load increases, there's more thinking to happen. So we need that basic stuff to become automatic so that we can really start to move on with that skill building process. Um, and of course, we need a program or an approach that um, that encompasses continual uh, review of what's being taught so that we can really consolidate that whatever the element is of the teaching um, in um, a structured um, way each time we sit down to um, to teach. Wow, that's, um, yeah, thanks for that explanation. So so that's a lot. So there were a few keywords here from me that I thought I just, you know, want to follow up on. So you mentioned one of them was multi-sensory. So what, what, what do you mean by that? Yeah, so multi-sensory um, is a, a multi-sensory approach will encompass a visual element, a kinesthetic element and a um, visual auditory and kinesthetic, sorry, so the auditory as well. So we know that by using the different senses, a multi-sensory approach creates multiple pathways of the information to the brain, increasing the likelihood of the information being remembered and understood. Mm. So, for example, when we're teaching something, um, when a student sees a, a word written, hears it spoken and then writes it themselves um, and says it, then they're more likely to remember that word or that spelling or whatever it is that we're trying to build that skill in. Um, and they've yeah, got more chance of being able to remember it and understand it and recall it later on when they need after practice. That makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, like when you, like I... I've got two two grown up children now, but um, also like my own learning style when I was going to uni and um, trying to get my head around, you know, like you 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 know yourself best. But um, what are the different learning methods that um, you retain uh, knowledge as well? And I always thought yeah. like there's not you know not one fits um, all approach in the classroom learning style where just someone standing at the front and um, <laughs> giving you an information is not the best way. So yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. That's great. And and actually my daughter's had one teacher. She was a flight attendant um, in her previous life. And yeah. um, she used, she must have used that approach. Like she, like yeah, definitely she gave uh, the, the students um, like in the classroom, they like could feel and, and touch things and like, yeah. So um, yeah, no. And, and I think she was actually one of the best teachers that my daughter's had. So like, that's, yeah, that's very exciting. So it's, I'm glad to hear you using that approach. So um, do you find then with kids that actually have learning difficulties, like it doesn't matter whether you have like a, you know, normal child or whether you have a child with learning difficulties, like the, this MSL approach then obviously works for, for both, or is there a difference in, again, in, uh, in, in learning or acquiring skills when, uh, when you, when you come across kids with learning difficulties? Yeah, so when we think about how we teach kids how to read, we really need to mention what we call the reading wars. So um, the reading wars is a term used to describe the debate and disagreement in the field of education about the best way to teach children how to read. So the debate's been going on for decades. There's two main sides. The first side is the phonics side, which is um, what we advocate for. And the second type is, um, the second side, sorry, is the whole language approach. So if I go a little bit deeper into phonics, 
Um, what we're doing when we're teaching kids how to read is we're teaching them letter to sound relationship and then being able to blend those sounds together to decode words. And the reverse is um, encoding, so that's for spelling. So being able to um, have a word, say cut, and then segment it into its sounds, at, and then say those sounds again and write the letters or the graphemes that match. So you write a C foot when you say k, A, when you um, um, say A, and T foot. So um, that's the phonics approach. It's more structured, it's more uh, systematic, and it's decodable. So on the other hand, we've got the whole language approach. So um, this is um, under the premise that we can pop a child into an environment with um, with rich literacy um, stimulus and they will just naturally be able to pick up how to read. Um, and for some kids that does happen and it's okay for some kids, but for 15 to 20% of kids um, will fail um, under that approach. Mm -hmm. So the problem with the whole, yeah, that's the problem with the whole language approach is that um, it leaves out a portion of children. Um, whereas when we teach the phonics approach, we are able to teach 100% of kids. Mm -hmm. So are you saying also that the, like the Bonnings letter one, like that's not necessarily obviously taught at school. So that's why you have those kids that are falling through the cracks sometimes. Yeah, sorry, I missed what you mm -hmm. said at the start, Nadia. So, so with the the letter one that you said that the bonics, I think it was yep. what, the, what yep, it called. Phonics. So, that when you say that um, you you can reach and you can teach hundred percent of kids with that uh, method, so that's obviously not taught at a school, yeah. So that's um like that's why you have so, kids. Sort of hmm. Yeah. So some schools um are adopting more of a phonics approach, um, which is amazing, which is fantastic. And when I was in Victoria teaching there, there's a school called Bentley West Primary School, and they've been able to implement MSL and um, OG or Orton Gillingham, which is the, the granddaddy of MSL or the, where mm -hmm. the form of MSL comes from. Um, they've implemented it right across their curriculum, not only within literacy, but they're using evidence-based practice for maths as well um, mm -hmm. through the Maths UC program. Um, so they were a classic, they were a huge example for what schools could do in the local area. And I watched the spread of that approach um, throughout the schools that were close by. And there's more and more schools now understanding that this is the way that we should be teaching children to give them that success for reading. But not only the kids that are struggling, but all of the kids, because the proof is in the pudding, their results are outstanding and schools can see that now. Um, mm -hmm. And it's a, it's, a, it's a slow ship to turn um, and it's going to take a lot of time, but there are more schools now doing evidence-based practice through Sounds Right, um, through MSL, through um, OG within the classrooms. But it's all about training the teachers because this is not stuff that we, we learn in our undergrads. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So another key word then for when you say uh, training the teachers, obviously we're talking, you know, like homeschooling uh, or on a, like, you know, yeah. mainly approach our homeschooling community with this topic. So as a, as a parent then, like, you know, like, 
when when they hear about this method um is this something that they can educate themselves in or like you know should they be best obviously then talking to you and um to maybe kick off the process and then they continue it or it's like would they always need someone uh, like yourself and your practice to help them then to acquire those skills and help them through uh, like uh, attaining the their literacy skills and math skills yeah, so that's a good question. And when I've been teaching, all of the kids that I've seen have, that have just flown with this and just succeeded so well and really thrived have been those parents, uh, sorry, those children that have parents that have really invested themselves and um, done their research and figured out what the science of reading is and how to best teach their child how to read. So it's definitely something that parents can do if they're fully committed to it, which I know homeschooling parents are and they want to mm -hmm. um, learn this approach, there's nothing stopping them. So the IMSLE, which is the Inst Institution for Multisensory um, Education, they um, offer training and um, parents do the training and sometimes the, the child will be with me and we have been working together for maybe 12 months and then the parent feels confident enough and was probably doesn't want to pay the bucks which is completely understandable will go and mm -hmm. do the training themselves and they'll learn how to do it so it's it's really um you know teaching you know what is the analogy teaching someone how to fish um is always going to be the best way you know um there's a couple of factors that play into it. For example, I know that some parents have difficulty um, sitting down and doing this kind of structured learning with their children. Mm -hmm. Depends on your child and, and your approach that you're taking to homeschooling. But this is definitely something that parents can educate themselves on and get into. There's so many resources available online now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You don't have to do the training just to, to, just to teach this way. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, I mean, certainly we had a couple of um, homeschooling parents on our recent webinar who were like asking, how do I manage homeschooling and I've still got a business to run? Um, yeah. So I guess, but it's, you know, it's good to know that for those parents and in case they either even want to just try the different method um, and they may not even have a child with learning difficulties or they have a child with learning difficulty and still want to try the homeschooling, then, you know, that there's uh, people and, and companies like yourself who can actually help them and um, yeah, still be able to achieve the best education as possible for their for their children. So when when should you start? Like when you I mean with the like, is it basically at what yeah at what age? Like is it is it um, pre primary or is it like never too late? If you have um, like yeah. say if you have yeah kids that are struggling and you try it um, like even with the normal school or homeschooling and they are a little bit older already like yeah what's is there an ideal age or is it doesn't matter when they start <laughs> yeah no it's I, I would say post-birth <laughs> so okay, basically okay. when the child come you know is comes into this world there that's the time when ideally it would be great if we could start to teach them about sound awareness phonological and phonemic awareness is the largest predictor of literacy success so learning how to do things like you know playing which most parents do anyway playing rhyme mm -hmm. games um, doing, you know, I spy with first sounds, um, you know, maybe um, I used to play lots of games with my kids. So, hey, I would say to them, you know, as we're just like lazing around, I'd say, hey, I wonder if you can decode my secret. What, is, what word have I got? <laughs> oh, 
g and they go dog and I go that's awesome (laughs) (laughs) because what I'm trying to do is teach them a pre-reading skill because we need Mm -hmm. to be able to um, first and foremost be able to blend sounds together for reading and then also segment for spelling so you can start right away and start reading books with them and enjoying the rhyme and the alliteration and everything that comes along with it but You know, a lot of the kids that come to us are in prep as well. So they usually, it will be at the end of prep. And so they haven't succeeded with their literacy um, as as expected. So we'll get those sorts of kids in and they will be um, great candidates um, to kind of have a bit of a uh, clean slate and really Mm -hmm. just systematically teach them through through the steps that they need to become really successful readers and spellers. Um, And then another um, huge cohort of kids that we get is in grade three, because once we get to grade three, kids get to grade three and the focus shifts from decoding words, so reading, and it goes into comprehending. So if these kids in grade three haven't got their decoding skills down pat yet and they don't have any fluency with their reading, um, then there's no way that they're going to be able to comprehend um, a, a slab of text that's given to them mm. by the teacher so or by, by anyone. So, um, And then I have kids that come to us in grade six and there's a bit of a, a mad panic about getting ready for high school and we've got, you know, some remediation pathways that we follow to get them to ba- have basic reading skills. So um, ideally post-birth with all the fun mm-hmm. games and stuff like that, really setting them up for their success. But no matter where they are along the continuum of their education, um, it's never too late. It's better now than never. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I'm glad we started very early with our two daughters. Uh, basically, I could barely sit and um, <laughs> ready a book in the hand. And we always used yeah. to do the reading and everything. And they became absolute bookworms. And uh, we're always very conscious on the devices as well. I mean, that was um, probably still the generation. I mean, yeah, it became very prevalent, I must admit, compared to their peers. Uh, and uh, they actually now written both a book. <laughs> Just to, so it's like, Oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing what I guess what it what it you know like not not saying that everyone's like ending up writing books but I'm just finding also with uh, like a lot of a lot of kids that they don't uh, or maybe yeah hopefully with the community that we are talking to and you know like the homeschooling community and uh, most of them I guess you know awake as well one of the reasons maybe they want to take their kids out of school and yeah. uh, hopefully they're also conscious about devices but have you have you found a change there and kids like with like that uh, you know that you know pretty much everyone seems to be on phones and and ipads and everything has there been a change in how like literally how it develops i like to say that i haven't seen a significant change that's made me go oh my god but mm-hmm. i would say on a more positive note that there is a lot more assistive technology that we can use these days for kids that are struggling with their literacy Um, So speech to text um, and um, we've got, um, you know, a lot of different um, methods that we can use now to to support kids with their literacy. There's some apps that we use here. um, So one of the ones is Squeebles and we're able to um, learn our irregular words. So the words that don't aren't spelt the same way that they sound, that they sound, we pop them into an app. And it's a really fun way of kids to get that repetition because those words are learnt by memory. They're not phonetic. 
magnetic. So um, there's a lot of um, apps and things, that, oh, not to mention the decodable text that you can get um, on your iPad as well. Um, mm -hmm. So that's a nice, cheap, easy way for um, homeschooling parents and all parents to have access to decodable text, which is um, based on the phonics approach. We want to be um, getting kids to practice their reading with only the, the letter to sound um, patterns that they have been taught. And that is what is encompassed in that decodable text. So when we're practicing reading that, what we're doing is um, we're not only practicing our decoding, but we're trying to get the brain to a point um, to orthographically map those words, which takes practice. So those decodable texts are fantastic and they're all cheap online. So Australian Australia Decodable Readers is one of my faves. Um, mm -hmm. And there's, yeah, there's a lot out there. So I would say okay. there's more positive that I see from mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. technology um, than negative. Yeah, well, in, that's great. In my realm. Mm -hmm. yeah. oh, that, that's really good to know. Like, I mean, certainly good, yeah, if you have, obviously, there's positives as well. <laughs> it's not all bad <laughs> with devices and, and apps, so it's, it's great to hear. Um, how, another question, like how can homeschooling parents ensure that they know how their child is doing academically compared to their peer level? I guess that's like an always bit of a concern. Like whether they are, you know, achieving the same or I mean, some people, obviously, they don't care, like some homeschooling parents don't really um, care about whether they go with a curriculum, you know, they do this like open yes. learning and whatever, but like there are obviously other, other people who do want to know and, and um, like hoping that um, like, yeah, I don't know, that they may even go to university or something or, or later or do obviously an apprenticeship where you still need to have all the skills and certain, I guess, accreditations at some stage. Yeah, I think that um, for me, um, we did unschooling, which is funny mm -hmm. because all of my my work is about structured learning, but <laughs> it didn't it didn't suit my kids. So um, I have been having said that I have been working with my youngest, who I'm pretty sure is on the dyslexia continuum somewhere. Um, I've been working with him for a long time. So we've done a lot of work. So and I, I, the thing that I need to do with them just occasionally is assess them just to see where they're at. Whether you need to assess or not, and I can see the school of thought with some parents that they don't care where they're up to because it's their, they are where they are at and mm -hmm. when they need to learn the next thing, they'll seek that and they'll find the information for that. And I understand all of that and I think that that's really great. Unfortunately, I think in the school system, you don't get that luxury because you're up against other kids and everything is measured against the child next to them, so to speak. So, mm -hmm. um yeah, but if there is some things that you want to assess, um, the what we do is, um, so the first step would be um, sort of we just need to know what knowledge they have, whether we want to know how they are compared to their peers or whether we just want to know the next step in their learning. We need to know what kind of letter-to-sound knowledge they've got. Um, so we need to know... Um, you know, what sort of um, reading skills they have um, for reading regular words, irregular words and non-words. Uh, we need to know what skills they have for spelling regular and irregular words. So um, there's a online um, um, program that we use called Motif. So that's M-O-T-I-F. Mm -hmm. And that's 
base, it's almost free for everyone to access. When I say almost, one of the reading assessments, the um, CC2, that is actually a paid version now, but you can print out all of the paperwork and do it, um, do it for free. So mm -hmm. it's a really easy way to kind of see where your child is at. It's normed on Australian children. So you can see whether they're, um, uh, what their range is, what their percentile is um, uh, compared to um, like um, children. So that's a good one to use. The other one, um, if some parents are interested in looking up is um, Dibbles. Some people say Dibbles, Dibbles, D-I-B-E-L-S. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a really good one and that's free. Um, and you can print out just the year level that you're working on if that's what you're doing. Um, and you can go through and you can assess a lot of, about their literacy skills, including their comprehension and fluency on top of what I mentioned previously. So um, so they're two good tools to have in your toolbox um, if you want to go and figure out where your child is at compared to their age group or their year level. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, so what if um, parents then find find that their kid uh, maybe a struggling reader? So they're they're trying all these things, they're using all these methods and and um, like doing assessments and um, all the tools that are available. But um, yeah, what what can they do? Yeah. So the first thing I'd do is look into the science of reading approach to teaching literacy. So um, with the science of reading, um, it's a very structured approach and it makes a lot of sense. So that's the first protocol that I would go and do a little bit of research into. Um, what we really look for here in our practice is um, really figuring out what letter to sound knowledge they have, what phonological and phonemic awareness, so that sound awareness skills, what, what is it like there? Is it anywhere developed and, and why not? And what are the lacking areas? And we go in and remediate those areas. A lot of kids that we see have um, vowel sound mixes. So E and I, so E and I will be mixed mm -hmm. up. So that's a really, really tricky one because if we think about it, in our syllables, every beat of a word, there's a vowel, at least one. So it's really debilitating for some kids if they have the EI mix or sometimes A and U mix. Decoding becomes really tricky. So remediating that immediately is a really, really positive thing to do. And you see results from that really quickly. B and D is also the same, sometimes P as well. Um, so they're all um, similar looking graphemes um, that a lot of kids that come to us um, mix up. So we remediate that immediately as well. And once we've done those two things, I find that parents are really just blown away at the progress. So they're just two little small things, making sure they're letter to sound, if we're just talking about single letters for the for the meantime, making sure they're all correct. So that mm. uh, and then um, so they need to be able to decode, they need to be just able to sound out accurately first. So they're two things that you can go in and um and really teach quickly. Um and then mm -hmm. yeah we just need to build the skills from there. So we follow um our uh, scope and sequence that um that MSL provides um, and whatever program or approach, I think there's 
um, a lot of different systematic phonics um, scope and sequences that you can pull off the internet and just go through it systematically, wait until they've got some mastery, they're able to apply it in isolation, um, and then maybe they can apply it in application as well. So you might give them a little dictation sentence only containing that of what you've taught them. Um, so you're setting them up for 100% success every time. Um, and then you start to build from there, teach them the next letter pattern. Maybe it's CK after a short vowel sound, like in duck, we have D, uh, and because we have a short vowel sound, uh, we use CK as a spelling rule. So instead of um, with the whole, instead of uh, learning each individual word that has CK on the end of it, we learn the rule and then that gives us access to so many words. So just moving through those letter patterns, those letter rules, um, then systematically, uh, that's definitely how you teach reading. Okay, hmm. very interesting. And when you when you think that maybe you have a hunch or something that your child has even dyslexia, so what are the signs to look out for then as a parent? And um, yeah, how do we even maybe seek diagnosis to confirm yeah. that? Yeah, I think that the first thing um, that you'll see, um, if, especially if the child is young, is uh, weakness with their phonological and phonemic awareness. So um, they're unable to blend sounds together, segment sounds, um, even, um, you know, this is um, this is the uh, this is a dog. What's the first sound in dog? Oh, duh. They need to be able to um, isolate those sounds. And that's all uh, to do with phonological and phonemic awareness. So that will be weak. The second thing um, that you'll probably see is phonological processing difficulties. So difficulties sounding out words, recognizing words and blending sounds together to form the words when you have the grapheme or the letter. Um, slow and inaccurate reading. So really struggles to read words accurately and, and there's no fluency. It's very, um, you know, um, chugging along do, 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 with no flow. Um, Definitely, you'll see sport, uh, sorry, poor spelling. So um, hmm. spelling is a, a harder one. It's a lot trickier because what it's, the cognitive load is, has been increased because we're actually trying to produce something out of nothing, whereas when we're reading, we have a letter there. Um, so the skill is a little bit easier that way, but spelling is a really hard one. So um, often the kids will definitely have difficulty spelling words and retaining correct spellings. Um, we see a lot of reversals. So, you know, Bs and Ds that I talked about before, even numbers, mm -hmm. um, uh, sixes and nines, um, backwards twos, all of that kind of thing. Um, um, working memory is usually um, de in deficit. So the ability to hold information in your memory, manipulate it, and then produce something from it, that's your working memory. And um, the kids that we see um, with dyslexia have poor working memory skills, which makes things really, really tricky for them. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, avoidance of reading and writing tasks. So disinterest, reluctance, um, school refusal, even, um, you know, crying at um, those horrible level texts that get sent home sometimes or if they're not following a decodable um, reader, um, you know, and there and there's meltdowns um, mm -hmm. because they just can't do it. It's not the right appropriate text for them and um, they need some structured phonics to be able to actually decode um, rather than just guess based on a picture, for example, mm. or repetitive text. 
Um, yeah, it's so important, isn't it? I mean, reading, like just thinking of um, even like maths or something, um, like to understand because not not all the maths tasks are just numbers. Like there's you know, sometimes written text as well. So if uh, a child struggles with uh, reading, then obviously that yeah affects pretty much every subject, not only maths but every subject in in school, right? So so when you when so to to create then the uh, the link with MSL and um, the Orton Orton Gillingham, Gillingham. approach yep. yeah <laughs> so that does <laughs> is that my understanding correctly that it does help then kids obviously with dyslexia as well so that like because of the multisensory approach and not only I guess you know the reading so it like helps to I guess not not cure the dyslexia but really finds them or gives them tools to overcome or manage the dyslexia is that how we would put it yeah yeah it gives them the ability to be able to um to read to decode so it teaches them mm. the code you know mm. reading mm. is essentially it's just learning a code so the letters that we use are simply symbols or uh, written code for the speech sounds of english so learning about the relationship between the letters of the alphabet and the speech sounds that they represent allows us to crack the code um, and learn to both read decode and spell which is encoding mm. So, yeah, Orton Gillingham is the American-founded structured literacy approach. It's not a program. It's an approach. So it's a way of mm -hmm. doing things and a way of teaching. Um, and um, and then MSL is the um, the Aussie form, if you like. So oh, okay. it's taken um, Orton Gillingham approach and then um, and then formed it um, into MSL or multi-sensory multi structured language. Mm -hmm. And I believe you also help kids that have ADHD as well so is that what, what are like I guess you know it's probably quite easy for parents to tell whether their kid you know can't sit still can't concentrate maybe it's some of the signs but um, yeah maybe you can elevate a little bit more on that and also how you help them yeah yeah so um, we have a lot of kids that come to us um, with ADHD and ADD um, that aren't suited to the classroom environment and I'd say a lot of probably your listeners um, have maybe decided to homeschool because the classroom setting just didn't fit their child so we see that a lot um, and so engages the child so it's more one-to-one -one or maybe in a couple like a brother and sister or whatever it is um, and so you're able to really um, engage the child, particularly when you're using your multisensory um, 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 approaches. So with your visual, auditory and kinesthetic, it makes them part of the learning process. So instead of maybe if we compare it to sitting down in a classroom where they have to sit cross-legged on the floor for long extended periods of time, um, compared to if they're maybe at home with their parents being able to move while they're learning, we have here at our practice lots of wobble chairs and spinny chairs and a lot of room <laughs> for movement as well. I taught a lesson the other day where the child was doing a handstand and telling oh, me wow. how to spell the word flick. So, you know, we the more movement that the kids need is what mm -hmm. they need. Um, mm -hmm. so, um, so, yeah, I think, unfortunately, I just don't think that the classroom environments suit um, a lot of these kids. And mm -hmm. so if you bring them out of that environment and you teach them using a multisensory 
um, approach um, and allow them to move while they're learning um, and they've got your full focus, um, you know, then you're going to have a lot more success with teaching mm -hmm. them how to read. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, just to finish off, so with the multi-center approach, I think you managed uh, you, you mentioned a couple of uh, uh, resources uh, where where parents can go to and find that information. Is it also available on your website, or like is there anything else that maybe you can share with us, or even send me some information that we can then share with our audience? Yeah, definitely. So um, parents can always feel free to um, drop me an email at www.allkidscan.com.au. And um, I've um, really enjoyed guiding homeschooling parents in the past. Um, I like spending a little bit of time with them because I know that parents, um, it's important for them to be able to talk about what's going on with their child. Um, and, um, and I'm able to maybe head them in the right direction from there. Um, so um, I'd be more than happy to connect with some parents that way. Um, and I can also give you some resources that you can um, drop in the show notes and um, mm -hmm. maybe parents can follow those up um, from there. That would be fantastic, Christy. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. Like, is there anything that you just like some final words that you <laughs> that you want to say or um, yeah, before we um, we finish off? No, I just wish all the homeschooling parents the best. I think that um, it's just so important for homeschooling parents to realise that they can actually give their child a better education. And I think a lot of them already know that, but it can be quite overwhelming as well. Um, and by seeking out evidence-based practice to teach your own child, majority of the time they're going to be learning a lot better and a lot um, more effectively than if they were um, in a classroom. So, yeah, I just take my hats off to all those mums and dads that are doing that. <laughs> fantastic thanks so much christy i wish you all the best with your own company as well and um yeah hopefully our audience finds it as valuable as i did i learned certainly learned a lot uh, oh. and um yeah no it's been fantastic so all the best to you and um i hope we can connect again and uh and yeah if uh, people have any questions like as mentioned can feel free to reach out to christy we will be putting all the links that she provides on our website in the show notes as well and um yeah take care awesome thanks <laughs> nadia uh, lovely talking to you likewise bye bye